There seems to be some confusion in the media about the difference between the right and the alt-right. For instance, the alt-right is famously anti-Semitic, and yet the New York Times, a former newspaper, has associated them with Orthodox Jew Ben Shapiro in such sentences as, quote, Ben Shapiro is alt-right, and if you believe that we have a yarn about Trump colluding with the Russians, you're really going to love you sucker, unquote. I guess the New York Times isn't even pretending anymore. In any case, as a public service to the Times and other dishonest organs of misinformation strangling on their hatred of ordinary people's freedom, here's a handy guide on how to distinguish between right-wingers who believe in the noble concepts of liberty handed down to us by our forefathers and alt-writers who are sniggering little femboys spewing hatred on YouTube. It's a subtle distinction, but with a little help, even the New York Times might figure it out. One. Real right-wingers come in all different skin colors and religions and no religion and various sexualities and also include a startling number of women who somehow manage to be extremely intelligent and also smoking hot, which is an amazing side benefit of the whole movement. Alt-writers have never actually been with a woman because they hate everybody who doesn't look like them. And, I mean, look at them. Two. Real right-wingers believe in ordered liberty as established over centuries of Western history and enshrined in the Constitution. Alt-writers don't even believe the Holocaust happened, so they're evil melonheads. Three, real right-wingers believe in essentially Christian principles like the fallen humanity made in the image of God and therefore deserving of equality and freedom. Alt-writers express their Christian principles by waving crosses at people, then doing absolutely nothing they were commanded to do by Jesus because they found out he was a Jew. I hope this handy guide will help the media either distinguish between right-wingers and alt-right-wingers or get stuffed. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-dee. Shape tipsy topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! So, this week, I've been examining leftist ideas that make absolutely no sense because it delays the moment when I have to start talking about this absolutely ridiculous impeachment absurdity, which I hate because it's absolutely ridiculous and absurd. But making sense is actually important because reality makes sense. So when leftists are not making sense or when their mouths are moving, they're probably not talking about reality. Today, I want to look at leftist ideas about sex, and I'll try to avoid making my usual cheap but strangely hilarious sex jokes until I just can't help myself, then I will. The left has gone to great lengths to expel any idea of God from our concept of creation. Even thoroughly sensible and plausible suggestions like intelligent design are denied by the left in service of an absolutist vision of evolution via completely random selection. Now, random selection shapes all living things by virtue of their primary desire to survive and reproduce. Under those conditions, it's only reasonable to assume that men and women who are the instruments of that reproduction have evolved to be different in both body and mind. Women's entire bodies and their brains are fashioned for the purpose of conceiving, gestating, and nurturing babies. That's why they have those hot shapes and why they're often nice to you for no discernible reason. Men are likewise shaped body and brain to impregnate women and to hunt and kill food for them like frozen pizza and those great, great sandwiches at Chick-fil-A. You can't both believe in evolution 
and the idea that men and women are interchangeable, or that men and women can become one another magically, or that gay people are equally central to this most basic reproductive enterprise. None of that that licenses us to look down on anybody or oppress or insult or be unkind to one another because that sucks, so don't do it. But it does mean we're different in kind according to sex and sexuality and can therefore morally be treated differently in law and in practice. The difference between men and women is the first thing noticed by every single creation story ever written. Ways of regulating sexual relationships are essential to the formation of every single society. Differences in sex roles and the work they do in society are a human universal. The notion that some idiot academic feminist theorist who can't even write a readable English sentence has suddenly discovered that all of humankind has gotten this wrong all these years is absurd on the face of it. What's more, for approximately 112% of us, the differences between men and women are a joy and a central consolation for the otherwise tragic nature of life. The left's eagerness to bully and brutalize anyone who won't pretend to accept their gender-mutable counter-narrative to reality is proof, if further proof were needed, that leftism is at war with human nature, a war it can only seem to win for a little while by oppressing humans into silence and mental slavery. Eventually, reality will always strike back, and so will we. We're going to talk about this a little more. Anything to delay this stupid impeachment thing, which I just gets right up my nose because it's just the most it's just the most obvious scam in the history of scams. What I like, you know, anybody, even fans of President Trump, and I have become a fan of President Trump. We all know he bloviates. He talks a little bit. He exaggerates. But the left has been so bad. They've actually moved into the space of Donald Trump's verbiage. So now the words he uses actually are just completely uh, descriptive. They're no longer exaggerated at all. Many people uh, look at our the wonderful shop we hear, we have here at The Daily Wire and say to themselves, why didn't they use ZipRecruiter? Things could be going so much better. ZipRecruiter can change the way you hire. Uh, at Cafe Altura, the COO there, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. How He was having trouble finding qualified applicants. He switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. The mailbag is coming up, so all your problems, including having to Woo. listen to this impeachment thing, will soon okay. be... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 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 this, is, this is becoming obscene. The show is becoming obscene. But that's what the mailbag is like. You, too, will be making noises like that after we get through with you on the mailbag and your problems are all solved. Listen, we have to talk about this impeachment thing, but I'm going to stick to this sexuality thing for just a couple of minutes because it's important. It actually does connect with some of the stuff we're we're seeing because, right, we're in this moment right now when we have, you know, I, I started out talking about the alt-right and 
I, I know that there is a movement of, uh, of people on the right who are unhappy with the kind of national view, old-fashioned, stately, uh, you know, conservatism that doesn't seem to have gotten them what they wanted and has let these horrible people start teaching this kind of crazy sexual nonsense in our school. And it is spreading throughout our school. Uh, there was a report in Real Clear Investigations, John Murawski, who I believe uh, we had on the show, he was, uh, he was interviewed, we interviewed him on another subject, but he has been talking about how in kindergarten and in some cases in pre-K public schools, Kids across the country are increasingly being taught about gender fluidity and absolute nonsense and gay and transgender historical figures. This year alone, four states, New Jersey, Illinois, Colorado and Oregon, enacted policies requiring public schools to include the contributions of LGBTQ people. You know, again, this means that in order to get out of this, uh, in order to get your kids out of this, you have to basically pay for private schools. So here's a video of the kind of classes uh, they are teaching, what they're teaching these kids. Hi, I'm Nadine, a sex educator. And I'm Eva, a sex researcher. I use the pronouns she and her because I'm a woman and when I was your age I used to be a girl. Gender is how you feel on the inside about whether you're a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. If you're non-binary, feel like neither or both. People can also be fluid, feel more like female, more like male, on a, based on a different day or time. It's really individual. Absolutely. Everyone born with a vulva is a girl. True or false? Or identifies as a girl. Well, not everybody is sure, and that makes sense. But our genitals actually don't determine our gender, so some people born with vulvas can be boys. Let's learn a little bit more about gender. We actually have an extra special visitor to sex ed school. I have been through the spectrum, if we were to say a spectrum, of like boys and girls. Uh, I have been everywhere in between. I was born a girl, and then when I was two years old, I told my mom for the first time that I was a boy. Holy Jesus. <laughs> what is that? What the f*** is that? <laughs> I mean, this is your children. You're sending your children to school uh, with the idea that they're going to be uh, taught, you know, reading, writing and arithmetic. And they're being taught this stuff, which is all untrue. It's all untrue. There are men, there are women. You don't change. There's no way to change. You know, there are people who have abnormal feelings about their bodies. There are people who have uh, discomfort with their bodies. I have nothing but compassion for them. I think that must be incredibly, uh, in incredibly painful. But that's not most people. I mean, that's a vanishingly small number of people. So why are they teaching them this? Well, and, and just so we know, it goes beyond it goes beyond the schools. It goes to adults as well. I'm reading Douglas Murray's uh, really well written, beautifully written book, The Madness of Crowds. And one of the experiments he does is he goes on Google image search and he searches for gay couples. Give me this thing of gay couples. So he, and up comes this image. If you're watching, you can see it of gay couples, happy gay couples, uh, boy gay couples, girl gay couples. Then he goes on and he searches straight couples. And here's what he gets. Gay couples. You get a couple of, uh, you know, one, two straight couples, then it's all gay couples. If you do straight couples uh, and search for text, you immediately get, oh, same sex couples, a model for straight pairs. Here's what straight couples can learn from gay couples. This is at the top. So Silicon Valley, where, where they are ensconced in these little campgrounds of wealth and privilege and surrounded by cities that are absolutely like San Francisco that are falling apart because of the policies they support, because they make them feel good, because they make them feel good about their wealth and their privilege. And this way they have these policies that they support uh, that destroy the cities around them. They are educating us 
on what people, we cannot even use their machine, which is a search engine. It's supposed to give us what we want. Who knows why you might want a, couple, uh, a picture of a straight couple. But when you put in the word straight couple, you don't get straight couples. You get gay couples. You are being educated out of normalcy. You're being educated out of the evolutionary project, which they told us was the entire meaning of creation. The thing about this is, and I'm getting to the impeachment, I swear I am, but the thing about this is, this is done with a purpose. Over at the American Mind, Spencer, I think it's pronounced Clavin? No, Clavin. It's, it's my son, Spencer Clavin. There are no <laughs> That's right, and, there's no, and the A's are long. But Spencer is a PhD in classics. He's got, went to Yale, he went to Oxford. He's a very, very brilliant guy about the classics. And he talks about he has a, an article called Be a Man, and he talks about the purpose of educating children to this absolutely untrue, false perspective on their own sexuality. Remember, these are innocent children. They're just trying to figure out who the hell they are. They don't even know how to use a crayon half the time. They're telling them that they're not a boy, even though they have a penis, right? He starts like this. In the late 500s BC, the military, this is really important, so listen to this. The military dictator, Aristodemus, took over the Greek colony of Cumae. He slaughtered his enemies en masse and undertook to ensure that no Cumaean man would ever be more than his slave. Here is how he did it, according to the essayist Dionysius of Halicarnassus. Quote, to ensure that no noble or manly aspiration would arise in any of the citizens, he decided to feminize every young man by means of his upbringing in the city schools, unquote. Spencer goes on to describe this. Aristodemus had the boys of Cumae wear long hair and embroidered gowns. He made them listen to soft music and keep out of the sun. He starved them of adult male guidance. This was so none of them would ever grow up strong enough to stand against him. What a paranoid and oppressive autocrat did to the sons of his subjugated people, American mental health professionals now propose we do to ourselves. And his, he ends this article, which really is good, Be a Man at American Mind. The answer to this, he says, is not only to insist that male and female are real natural categories, it is also to acknowledge that one natural component of those categories is aspiration, to want to be a man. There is nothing harmful in exhorting a boy to be a man. If he is not yet, and no boy is, he will be told by activists and perhaps his teachers that he does not need to be, but the longings of his heart will tell him that he should, that he can. It is the business of gender theory to extinguish those longings. It should be our business to defend them at all costs. Now, why? Why is it important that we defend them at all costs? Women are have a harder time with freedom. Women by the numbers, have a harder time with freedoms. A poll of college students last year showed that among men, 61% favored free speech, but only 35% of women did so. If women didn't have the vote, there would be no Democrats elected. I don't think there would ever have been a Democrat elected since the turn of the century if women didn't have the vote. Women have a natural tendency to vote for more government, bigger government, to feel more comfortable with government intrusion, and to be afraid of freedom. Why? Because women are made to be moms, and moms are made to enjoy security because they want to keep their offspring safe. They have a tremendous investment in each child. The man, man has a less of an evolutionary investment in each child. So he's more risk-taking. He has to be take risks in order to serve the woman who will reproduce his genetic makeup. 
all good evolutionary theory. This is the left. Adam Carolla, you know, we, I saw, I told you I went to see that No Safe Spaces with Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager. And Carolla said he wrote a book uh, uh, 10 years ago called In 50 Years We'll All Be Chicks. <laughs> he said he should have said in 11 years we'll all be chicks. And his point was that we were being talked out of the sort of manly art of risk and freedom. And it matters. And it matters. And it's interesting to me that when when we see the alt-right, and I think the alt-right, listen, I know there are so many people, especially young men on the right, who are striving, looking for a way to be patriotic, to be manly, and are being told that they don't have to be by the left. And then they fall into, it's like, you know, the devil knows when to come after you. He knows when to tempt you, right? He knows when you're when you're weak. And they fall into these, uh, the siren song of the alt-right telling them they'll be real men if they hate black people or they hate Jews or they're violent or any of that stuff. That's how they offer the manhood. And if the and if conservative conservatives, actual conservatives, and this is where I'm going to get to impeachment, if they don't show a way to stand up for America and to stand up for their beliefs and to support the people uh, who are who are opposing this kind of nonsense, then there's no choice that you don't give young men any choice of how to be a man. If you don't teach them how to be a man with nobility, with generosity, with graciousness, with grace and with kindness and with a a commitment to sacrifice and service, then they're going to fall into this alt-right garbage where they say, no, a man is, you know, violent. A man is, you know, hateful. A man is all these things that make you feel strong for a little bit, but really destroy you over time. And I talked about that before. Now I'm going to get to the impeachment thing. But first, let me talk about Bull and Branch. As you know, Bull and Branch make wonderful sheets. And I know this. You may be using them and you don't know because you get in are so comfortable, you just fall asleep and then you don't notice it. But I'm up all night. I never sleep. <laughs> I'm sitting there I, while you're sleeping in these comfortable bowl and branch sheets. I'm sitting there going, yeah, they're not only comfortable, they look great. And one day I may even fall asleep in them. <laughs> but what makes bowl and branch sheets unique is that each sheet is crafted from 100% organic cotton. That means bowl and branch sheets not only feel incredible, but they look amazing if, of course, like me, you're awake to appreciate them. And since bowl and branch sells exclusively online, you don't pay that expensive retail Retail markup, you get twice the quality for half the price. You will love these sheets. Try them for 30 nights. See for yourself or just experience them as you sleep. If you're not impressed, return them for a full refund. Go to bowlandbranch.com today and you get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the U.S. when you use the promo code CLAVEN. That's 50 bucks off free at plus free U.S. shipping right now at bowlandbranch.com spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com promo code CLAVEN bowlandbranch.com promo code CLAVEN. Who doesn't know how to spell bowl? How do you spell Claven? That's the question. (laughs) I I knew we'd be able to answer that. So, you know, this is the thing, you know, this this thing with impeachment, it, it drives me crazy. And I know that's what everybody wants to talk about. But even talking about it feels to me like falling into this nonsense. In other words, they put this uh, they put out this crazy stuff uh, that they've been putting out since the beginning. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to the way they built this thing from the moment Trump, before Trump was elected, before Trump was elected, this was the plan. This was the plan. That is not paranoia. It is right out there in the open. This was the plan. This is the thing that they have been manufacturing from the beginning. And now they're unleashing it finally out to the world. They they, they think they prepared the way. They think they released, they had the secret uh, testimony and they leaked it to their friends in the press, which is all the press. And now they're going to bring it out there and everybody's going to say, oh, the bombshells. Oh, it's a nail in the coffin. Oh, it's, you know, how could anybody disagree with this? And it's all crap. It's all such show business 
crap. And it just drives me crazy to even have to talk about it. And, and speaking of manhood, and this is what the point, the connection I was going to make, it's dispiriting to me to watch the never Trumpers, many of whom are my friends, many of whom I admire as people, many of whom I really admire as writers. It is dispiriting to me to watch them take this seriously because there is zero percent serious about this. Uh, you know, Trump is a big mouth. Trump says things he shouldn't say. We all have gotten used to this. I mean, they had this thing where they, they, they're talking to Trump. They have a headline in like the Wall Street Journal. Trump was thinking about firing the uh, inspector general of the intelligence community. You think like, so what? He thinks about all kinds of things. He says all kinds of things because some deep state toady leaks it to the press that he once said, maybe we should fire that guy. Who cares? Who cares? This entire thing is the biggest so what in American history. And when Trump rails that it's a hoax and a witch hunt, he is not 90% right. He's 100% right. And it's dispiriting and it's unmanly to watch these people desert their president, who is the only thing standing between us and this onslaught of socialism and feminism and destruction of like human norms. And it's just dispiriting. I mean, if you do not, if you cannot show people, if you cannot show our young men what it means to stand up for what's right, even if it's, you know, even if the president rubs you the wrong way, who could blame you? I'm sure he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Even if he rubs you the wrong way, you cannot, cannot let your president be railroaded like this. It is just disgusting. You know, Devin Nunes opened, uh, Nunes, Nunu, Nunu, Nini. Uh, no, <laughs> Devin Nunes has done a great job standing up against Adam Schiff, one of the most dishonest politicians of my lifetime, just an absolute McCarthyite bum. And Devin Nunes made an excellent opening statement. And I want to make sure I get the right thing that he that he said, where he goes after Schiff and he says, in order to buy into this at all, you have to have amnesia. This is what he says. After the spectacular implosion of their Russia hoax on July 24th, in which they spent years denouncing any Republican who ever shook hands with a Russian, on July 25th, they turned on a dime and now claim the real malfeasance is Republicans' dealings with Ukraine. In the blink of an eye, we're asked to simply forget about Democrats on this committee falsely claiming they had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion between President Trump and Russians. We should forget about them reading fabrications of Trump-Russia collusion from the Steele dossier into the congressional record. We should also forget about them trying to obtain nude pictures of Trump from Russian pranksters who pretended to be Ukrainian officials. You dirty yellow-bellied rat. <laughs> we just threw that in. He didn't actually say that last part. He's talking about Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff was gamed by a bunch of pranksters who called up and said they were from the Ukraine, Russian pranksters who said they were from the Ukraine and they had nude pictures of uh, and of Donald Trump. And he was like, yeah, I want those. I would. Uh, yeah, that, that, that little really girl. That'll really get him impeached. I mean, it, it is absurd. And now and, and he's lying. Schiff is lying in the committee, in the committee. Jim Jordan goes after him because Schiff has made it clear he's not going to bring in the whistleblower. So we don't even know where the accusations came from and how this whole thing was constructed. And the reason he's not bringing him in, he promised he would testify until it came out that he had colluded, Schiff and the whistleblower had colluded before this thing even got started. Then suddenly the guy disappeared. He won't let Republicans talk about uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the corruption that Trump was trying to investigate. And Jim Jordan calls him out on it. And Adam Schiff just lies because that is his default setting. 435 members of Congress, you are the only member who knows who that individual is, and your staff is the only staff of any member of Congress who's had a chance to talk with that individual 
We would like that opportunity. When might that happen in this proceeding today? First, as the gentleman knows, that's a false statement. I do not know the identity of the whistleblower, and I'm determined to make sure that identity is protected. <laughs> I want you off the f- set, you prick. <laughs> now, don't just be sorry. Think for one f- second. What the f- are you doing? <laughs> are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I f- walk around and rip that? No, shut the f- up, Bruce. Do I want? No. <laughs> all right, no. all right. Don't uh, shut me up. So, so, Jim, <laughs> so Jim Jordan lost it a little with Adam Schiff. Uh, <laughs> who was that? Was that Christian Bale? <laughs> so, yeah. so, that was Christian Bale, not not Adam, uh, not uh, Jim Jordan. And then, so here's so here's going to be the he'll here be the headline tomorrow, right? They bring on William Taylor, the acting ambassador to, to Ukraine. And remember, what's going on is at the top level, Mike Pompeo is rejiggering the State Department to Trump's pleasure and to his pleasure, and all the un- underlings there, the people beneath Mike Pompeo, are ticked off, right? And they're they're doing just what Jim James Comey did. They're going after revenge. So they bring in former uh, acting ambassador to Ukraine, William Taylor, and this is going to be the the line that makes the headlines tomorrow because none of these guys have anything on Trump. They have Giuliani, who's also got a big mouth, who's been going around looking for uh, looking for you know anti-corruption investigations. Giuliani writes a piece in the Wall Street Journal where he makes a perfectly valid case for investigating corruption in the Ukraine. And so they ask William Taylor, and William Taylor is shocked, absolutely shocked, to find politics going on in this place. Ambassador Taylor, in your decades of military service and, and diplomatic service representing the United States around the world, have you ever seen another example of foreign aid conditioned on the personal or political interests of the president of the United States? No, Mr. Goldman, I've not. I am shocked, sir, shocked that anybody would ask for something in return for American aid like everybody does all the time. So it's, you know, then it's going to be a bombshell. It's the nail in the coffin and the walls are closing in. And we have to go through this whole thing that the Democrats have been putting us through for the last three years while Trump has gone from success to success. The ISIS caliphate has gone. The economy is unbelievable. It's unbelievably great economy. uh, The unemployment numbers are terrific. Blacks are employed. Latinos are employed. It's an amazingly successful presidency. And oh, the walls are closing in. It's another bombshell. I'm just going to end before I get to um, before I get to the mailbag. I'm just going to end on this piece that Cheryl Atkinson wrote about how this thing has built up because it is worth hearing. It really is. First, let us pause for just a moment to talk about Candid Co. Do you want to look like Michael Knowles? Of course you do, especially if you're a woman and can Candid Co. Knowles used Candid Co. as a way of straightening that beautiful smile. (laughs) Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster and cheaper than traditional wire braces. Treatment takes just six months on average and costs 65% less. Here's how it works. An experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. They show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look. Candid's aligners are comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. No hassle. You don't have to go to an orthodontist office. Plus, in the season of giving, Candid donates 25 bucks with each aligner purchased to Smile Train, who brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. We take that for uh, granted here. Not so much in, in poorer countries is a really important gift. Give yourself the gift of Candid. Go to CandidCo.com slash Clavin. Use code Clavin to get $75 off. That's CandidCo.com slash Clavin. Code Clavin for $75 off. CandidCo.com slash Clavin 
code Clavin. There are no easy <laughs> and, and you'll be able to say that. You will be able to say that with a beautiful, beautiful smile. Sharon, Shal Atkinson, no, Atkinson now does a show called Full Measure, but she used to be one of the best um, investigative reporters on TV. She had to leave CBS News because they would not let her report on Obama as aggressively as she had reported on George W. Bush. Uh, she had all these great stories about Fast and Furious, all these scandals, but the Obama had to be scandal-free, so she couldn't get him on the air, and they were killed along the line, and she finally had to leave so she could do her job honestly. She has assembled what she admits is a simplified timeline of the impeachment procedure from the Democrats, okay? She starts on August 15th, 2016, before Donald Trump is elected. After FBI counter-espionage chief Peter Strzok and FBI attorney Lisa Page met with Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe, Strzok texts Page that they couldn't take the risk of Trump getting elected without having, quote, an insurance policy in place. October, a month before Trump is elected, Benjamin Witz, founder of the left-wing liberal blog called Lawfare, as in use, using the law as a weapon of warfare, writes, what if Trump wins? We need an insurance policy against the unthinkable. Donald Trump's actually winning the presidency. Witz writes that his vision of an insurance policy would rely on a coalition of all Democratic forces to challenge and obstruct Trump using the courts as a tool and Congress as a partner or tool. He even mentions impeachments again two weeks before Trump is elected. And Witz has acknowledged being a good friend of James Comey, the fired FBI director, and he spoke to the New York Times about Comey's interactions with Trump. October 2016, still before the election, the FBI begins a year-long secret wiretap on Trump campaign advisor Carter Page, which would have allowed Intel officials access to information and conversations involving other Trump associates and possibly Trump himself. Page was never charged with any offense, and the FBI never apologized for the unwarranted pri privacy intrusions. The lawfulness of the wiretap has been questioned. January, now Trump has been elected but hasn't taken office yet, January 3rd, Senate Minority Leader Charles Sh Schumer publicly warns Trump, and we've played this on the air, uh, that if he takes on the intelligence community, the IC has six ways from Sunday to get back at you. January 11th, still before inauguration, a Politico investigation concludes that Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton win and undermine Trump during the campaign, uh, and with help from a Ukrainian-American operative who was consulting for the Democratic National Committee. So every time you hear that uh, Trump is being paranoid about the Ukraine, uh, about Ukrainian intervention in the elections. It's nonsense. They were. They were helping Hillary. January 30th, now Trump is in office. Days after President Trump takes office, attorney Mark Zaid, who, remember, goes on to be the whistleblower's attorney, Mark Zaid tweets that a coup has started and impeachment will follow Ultimately, Zaid often deals with government investigations and clients in the intelligence community. A few months later, still in 2017, Zaid tweets, I predict CNN will play a key role in real Donald and Trump not finishing out his full term as president. And he says, we will get rid of him. And this country is strong enough to survive even him and his supporters. And Zaid goes on to uh, represent the whistleblower, right? May 17th, 2017, special counsel Robert Mueller begins investigating 
August 2017, Trump critic and former director of national intelligence James Clapper is hired as an analyst where at CNN. He attacks Trump regularly at times with incorrect information. January 23rd, 2018, a year, Trump's been in office a year. Uh, former Vice President Joe Biden publicly brags that he got Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor by threatening to withhold USA. The prosecutor was investigating Burisma, an energy company where Biden's son had served on the board since 2014. You take a look at that call. It was perfect. <laughs> February 1st, 2018, Trump critic and former CIA director John Brennan is hired as an analyst for NBC and MSNBC, where he attacks Trump regularly. Again, this is I mean, this is the deep state working in with in tandem with the television stations. April 2019, Ukraine elects a new president, former Vice President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, steps down from the board of Burisma. July 25, 19, 2019, President Trump calls the newly elected president and asks for cooperation in a probe involving longstanding corruption in Ukraine, along with alleged ties to U.S. Democrats and the 2016 campaign, which actually happened. And Trump wants to know about it. Why did these guys try to screw him? August 12, 2019, someone alleging to be a whistleblower Pfizer complained about the phone call with the intelligence community's inspector general. The anonymous person alleges President Trump sought political dirt to use against Biden in 2020 as part of a quid pro quo. Quids pro quo aren't inherently illegal or improper and are, in fact, a key component of most foreign aid. However, the whistleblower claims Trump is improperly withholding military aid from Ukraine for his own political purposes. Let me stop here and remind you that it was Trump who gave them military aid. Obama never did. So when they say he was withholding aid, he was withholding aid that he had given them, that Trump had given them and Obama never did. September 9th, 2019, coming up on the end of this, the inspector general notifies us the House Intelligence Committee about the complaint. Although committee chairman Adam Schiff initially denies doing so, it turns out that he and his staff already had met with or conspired with, depending on your view, the alleged whistleblower. And then, as you know, the entire uh, the entire impeachment uh, thing, the impeachment show unrolls until it goes on the air today. The fact that the never Trumpers, obviously the Democrats and Chuck Todd, but I repeat myself, the Democrats and CBS, but I repeat myself, the Democrats and ABC, but I repeat myself again and again, obviously they're all on the same page, that some of us on the right are taking this seriously in any way, shape or form, seriously, in any way, shape or form. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. This, this thing has been going on for three years. It's time to stop. And it's time for people on the right to say, look, this is the president. I don't always like him. There's nothing wrong with saying you don't like his policies. Nothing wrong with saying you don't like his attitude or the way he talks. All those things you have are perfectly welcome. But these people on the other side are socialists. They are not pro-America. They say America was never great. Those words come out of their mouth. It's not me putting those words in their mouths. They, they, Go, go into our educational system and tell our kids that they're not men, that they're not boys, uh, that they're not. There's no such thing as being a girl. These people are out of their minds, and the only thing standing between them and the government uh, and government power is Donald J. Trump. You don't have to like him, but in this case, you have to support him if you're going to be an honest person because this is garbage. All right, we're going to go to the mailbag and solve all your personal problems. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I was, that was, I was going to say that myself, but we're going to the mailbag. I got to stop. Uh, say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come to dailywire.com and subscribe so you can be in the mailbag next time. It's a little stuffy in there, but you get all your problems solved. Mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> We're not going to get to any letters anymore. It's just going to be screaming from Mike. Uh, hello, Andrew. Clearly, you are the wisest one at the Daily Wire, so I thought I would ask you this question. Well, clearly. I mean, come on. I'm 30 years old. I have three beautiful, healthy children. I'm married to a be- loving, beautiful wife. Just bought my first house, graduated from college, earned a promotion. I feel like I'm living the American dream, but something is missing. I grew up a Roman Catholic, but lost my faith uh, the, because... Um, Many of the stories I would hear at church seem like fantasy. The question is, how can I start to have faith in my religion again? I feel like the missing piece is religion, but just simply attending church isn't enough. I'm sure your answer is going to be a thousand percent right, just as Jeffrey Epstein not killing himself is a thousand percent correct. Um, all right, you know, that and Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> so, so you want you want God back in your life? Let's let's put aside religion for a minute. You want God back in your life. The missing piece is God, and religion is a means of getting to God. Religion is a vehicle for getting in touch with God, and it's an important vehicle because you can't do it yourself. If you do it yourself, you find out you're just talking to yourself. You're inventing a God of your own making. Religion is a corrective to that by bringing you into uh, into community with other believers and by establishing, especially with the Catholic Church, two thousand years of thinking things through. So what I would say to you is. Start start with thinking about what you're doing. Go back to the books that are intelligent, that are straightforward, that tell you uh, what you need to know. Good books like uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Start at the beginning. If, if you want to start attending church again, that's great. But start in your mind, right? Start communicating with God. Start praying to God, talking to him, asking him the way. That's, that's the way forward. The way forward is not um, is not, oh, magically, uh, you know, it's like uh, in one of Woody Allen's films, he buys Wonder Bread because he wants to experience wonder. That's not the point. It's not about the rosary. It's not about the church. It's not about the bells and smells. It's about God. it's about your relationship with God. And even Pope Benedict XVI said this, so it's not me just uh, imposing that on Catholic, Catholic doctrine. Make, establish, reestablish your relationship with God and start going to church to find out how church can help you get in in touch to deepen your relationship with God through community with other believers and ritual and tradition. And, and th- that's the way to do it. I mean, the way to do it is honestly, is it, God is there, you know, he's there whether you believe in him or not. So that's not a problem, but you want to get in, in touch with him through prayer. You want to get in touch with him through scripture reading. You want to get in touch with him by reading other books that are intelligent and uh, straightforward and aren't selling you things that you can't believe. And then with that, go to church and see if that that helps you out. And you, I, I know it will. Um, from Anonymous, uh, thank you so much for all you do. I too came for Ben, yet joined for you. Uh, this year, I removed myself from a very toxic and abusive relationship with my now ex-fiance. It took me a long time to accept that it was mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, and twice physically abusive. I thought I was being a strong woman, fighting for a complicated man, suffering from PTSD. For a long time, I could not leave him for guilt of abandoning him in his worst times. Uh, so finally, she left. Good move. And uh, now she has his stuff. He left his stuff in her uh, house. And she. Uh, I've tried to get him to pick up his things, and now he's abusing her this way. He keeps selling her, hold on to his stuff, and he'll pay me to ship it to him once he gets settled. Uh, and then he's gone, she's gone, no contact, but he keeps stringing her along. Now she wants to move. Uh, and he says, well, he doesn't agree with that. And uh, he has, she has to hold on to his stuff and take it with her. And friends are telling her to just throw it away. She says, um, she says, is a Christian for me to throw it away? Am I being selfish? Am I weak to be torn by this? What should I do? Uh, there's obviously so much more to the story. And she ends with, thank you for being awesome. And the great good thing is one of the best books I've ever read. Well, thank you very much for that. All right, well, first of all, you know, the worst thing about these abusive animals, right? Uh, these guys who abuse women is they take advantage 
of a woman's best qualities. So you wind up feeling bad about the best things about you, your loyalty, uh, your ability to nurture, your patience, the things that this guy used to as a vehicle for abuse. So you wind up feeling bad. You did nothing wrong. He is the bad guy here. He's the bad guy. He took advantage of you. And the things that are most beautiful about you is, are what he used. So don't look down on yourself for staying. Don't look down, you know, that, don't look down at yourself for having patience and loyalty and being a beautiful, nurturing person. That's, that's, the, way, that's the way he wants it to work. He's the villain. You are clean. You're, you are completely free, all right? I set you free. If you're not already free in your mind, let it go. Throw this garbage guy's garbage into the garbage, all right? You have no obligation to him whatsoever. If, don't let him come to your house. Don't let him into your house if he comes. If, if you have the money and you want to do it, what you do is you pay for one month of a storage facility, leave the key there, tell him this guy can come and pick it up, write to him, say it's in that storage facility. At the end of a month, it's going to be thrown out and auctioned off. If you have the money to do it that way, do it that way. If not, put it out on the street and say it's out on the street for 24 hours, then it's gone. It's really, do not let this guy anywhere near your life. You are completely free. You are in the right. This guy is a, ba- is a, vi- he's a villain. He's a bad guy. He, you don't owe him anything and throw his stuff away. And he, cause he's garbage and you should throw his garbage into the garbage. All right. Uh, I hope that was clear. I didn't want to mince words there. Uh, from Nick. Oh, great bald one. True King of Galeana. Uh, a, a quick, few questions. Borson supporters are quick to cite the sentient life argument, the argument that human life's value is dependent on the age of the prenatal human. In other words, if you're not sentient, if you don't have consciousness, free will, uh, if you don't feel pain, then you can be aborted. What are your thoughts to dismantle this? I wanted additional ammo for this thought process uh, as my reasoning doesn't seem to stick. Well, here, here it is. A baby in the womb, uh, you know, let's not argue about whether it can feel pain. I, I, the pictures I've shown look like it can feel pain, but of course it can't make the usual choices and preferences. This is what this clown Peter Singer talks about. It can't express preferences. It doesn't have will. It doesn't have the same amount of will as, for instance, a, a full-grown uh, dog. That's true of you when you're asleep as well. When you are asleep, you don't have preferences. You don't make free choices. You you can't do that. Can I put a pillow over your head and kill you? No. Why not? Because you're going to wake up because we live in time. We live in time and we are, each of us, a continuum. You can't kill someone yesterday and then say, oh yeah, but now it's Wednesday and that was Tuesday, so I'm no longer the same. Now I'm Wednesday, Andrew. I'm Wednesday, Andrew. So Tuesday, you can't arrest Tuesday, Wednesday, Andrew, for what I did on Tuesday. No, we are a continuum. What we are we will be what we have been. We still are. The baby in the womb, like the sleeping person, will become, if left alone, will become fully sentient, will become fully uh, operational as a human being. You have no right to stop that process. When you stop that, you know, I often quote uh, Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven. William Money, I think, is his character. He says, when you kill a man, you don't just take away everything he has. You take away everything he's ever going to have because we live in time. And I I won't go into this forever because I don't have a lot of time, but leftists do this all the time. They remove the element of time. Time. So Thomas Jefferson is supposed to be responsible to 2019 values, right? As if everything were somehow crushed together into one instant. No, we live in time. We develop in time. When you stop that process, you are killing a full and complete human being. That is not a, fr- a fair way to solve your problems. Um, 
from Nigel, dear director, commissioner, and master of reality across the multiverse. Um, you said on your show as an aside about how during a lecture, when you asked a group of men and women whether gender was malleable, the women were more likely to say yes, as you predicted. This fascinated and plagued me. Uh, please elaborate why you think women are predisposed, at least comparatively, towards believing gender is malleable and rid me and others of the scourge of unclavenly doubt with requisite love. Nigel. Um, well, there's two reasons. Uh, one is, uh, f- first of all, women, um, women's sexuality is more fluid than men's. Men's sexuality gets locked in very early, somewhere between nine and 12. What is going to turn you on is pretty much locked down uh, for a man. Whereas women are less sexually directed and more relationship, relationally directed, and therefore it, it is easier for them to switch into different kinds of relationships. It's easier for women to have an affair with a woman and all this stuff. So it feels a little bit more malleable. But the real answer, the real answer is this. The reason men are the targets of these re-education camps, right, is because manhood is an abstraction. That doesn't mean it's not real. It's an abstraction of something real. But to be a man, to say be a man, is something you have to kind of create in your mind. So it's fragile, and therefore you have to defend it more Uh, sternly. You have to say, no, I will be a man. Of course I want to run away, but I won't run away. Of course I don't want to work for a living, but I will work for a living. Of course I don't want to sacrifice for my wife, but I will because I will be a man. Being a woman, you can't escape being a woman because if you have sex and get pregnant, you will have a baby. That is the, the key definition, the central definition of being a woman. So you feel liberated because that definition is in place. Even if you can't have children, it doesn't matter because that's still the definition. If that definition is in place, you're more free to play around with the other definitions. It's not as much of an abstraction. A woman who has a baby, nurses a baby, raises a baby, has fulfilled essentially the evolutionary role of womanhood and can say, well, yes, but I like that, but I also uh, am aggressive. I also like to lean in. I also like to do all these things. So there's more flexibility because womanhood is more rooted in earthy, actual facts, and manhood is more of an abstraction. That's why, that is the opening that the American Psychological Association has used to say we have to rewrite these rules because it's an abstraction. We can just rewrite them. That's not true. The rules are like a story that speaks about something true within the human male heart, right? Be a man it may look different in different ages, may look different in different times. We don't have to fight with swords. We don't have to do the kinds of things that men had to do in primitive times, but still, that those yearnings of the heart, as my son said in his article, those yearnings of the heart are expressed in our masculine values. And that's why they are easy to attack and why we have to defend them more firmly. So that's why men say, no, I am a man. I will be what I am. Where a woman feels a little bit more flexibility because she knows she's a woman. It's rooted right there in her body completely and in the processes of her body. Uh, so that's why, uh, you know, that's why I know when I make ask that question, why I knew how it was going to come out. I would go on, but I can't go on because I'm out of time, but I will be back tomorrow on, and if I miss some questions, I'll go back. If there, there were some good questions in there, I'll try and get them, get to them next week. Meanwhile, I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, hooray, hooray. 
Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. And our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, but you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show, where you'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. <laughs> 